Do you know what it's like when telepaths make love, Commander? Anatomically impossible, Mr. Garibaldi. But you're welcome to try. Anytime. Anywhere. Oh, I think I'm in love. juggle babies over a fire pit hello and welcome to who are you it's a babylon 5 watch cast by a couple of internet strangers who are getting to know each other over the show i'm laura and i'm jafer and today i get to ask jafer who are you who are you who are you do you know who i am Well, this is going to sound a bit redundant given the medium, but I'm a podcaster. No way. (laughs) I know, right? Mind blown. How could you have ever possibly learned this about me? Before this, though, I had a podcast. It ran for 120 episodes, and it was uh, me and two of my closest friends, Ben and Chris, and we hosted a podcast called Draft the Universe. which was all brought about by a silly game that we, the three of us had kind of workshopped as like an improv comedy kind of fun thing to do. And we did it and we did it for years and we built this weird meta narrative in the background and we had people come on the show and we had a lot of fun with it. And it's an important part of how I ended up here. Right. So (laughs) it's, it's relevant at least because if I hadn't done that, I would never would have joined the podcasters group that we met through. Right. And actually the person who's all like, when you're like, hey, I need someone for a Babylon 5 podcast. The person who pointed us there was Ben, one of my old co-hosts, who's all like, hey, Fair's watching Babylon 5 right now. Is it very nice of him? It was. He's actually kind of upset. <laughs> <laughs> In a good way. He's happy. He's happy uh-huh. that I'm podcasting again because I got back in the saddle and we're doing it more. And, you know, but he's also just like, I'm not podcasting right now. (laughs) I took your podcast, buddy. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about the favorite plots or something in the old podcast. So we stopped doing this podcast uh, a little bit into the pandemic for reasons that are going to be sound very obvious (laughs) as soon as I start talking about the meta narrative of the podcast. Oh, no. So... The podcast was just the three of us getting together and there was this like kind of mysterious figure like the draft commissioner would Mm -hmm. occasionally send us communique and at some point we started making references to being locked in a bunker oh and (laughs) over the course of it it used to like the first couple of episodes were like oh yeah we're in the draft bunker doing the thing and it just was a joke because we were in ben's basement Mm mm-hmm which is where our podcasting studio was, but it ended up becoming a thing where we were locked in this bunker and we couldn't leave. And we started building this entire meta narrative of other characters that we would encounter exploring these MC Escher Lovecraftian hallways and tunnels and murder basements and all of these things that we would find in the food court and all this like random shit. And it was all improv. So the the whole format of the episode was, it was two episode arcs. And so there's a draft episode and then a debate episode. 
So we would take turns and each of us would pick our top five of the thing to make jokes about whatever the topic was ranging cover songs to anime, everything in between. We did all kinds of stuff. We did weird ones. We did a balls draft. We had some really bizarre episodes. You couldn't um, see the weird look that I just gave Jafar, but I gave Jafar a weird look, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Like basketball, stuff like that. You know, whatever you really felt like drafting. Um, let's see. Captains, fads, henchmen, gritty reboots, all kinds of stuff. Nice. Yeah, that sounds like fun. It was a blast. You shouldn't do a podcast that's not fun, though. <laughs> Agreed. It's very important to keep a podcast going. And just the nature of the meta narrative and like the whole concept of like just being locked away in a bunker with Rona just it just killed it. it was just yeah, like, we tried to do a couple episodes and it was just so I think we did a couple in May of 2020. Yeah. And even then it was just so mind numbingly heavy too real. Yeah. Yeah. That we were just like, we can't we can't do this, guys. Yeah. Well, we'll hope for the gritty reboot. <laughs> Maybe one day that podcast will happen. I don't know. Well, I'll look forward to it. And I'll look forward to talking about this episode for season one, episode seven, Mind War, with our first real Psycore episode, our first Bester episode. Yeah. Oh, it's he's so good. Walter Koenig is so good in he's this show. So good. Can I admit something really stupid and embarrassing to you right now? Uh, of course you can. That's the basis of this podcast. <laughs> right. So Bester comes on in, in his first scene. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, look at Walter Koenig's hair. And my husband is like, you know, that's a hairpiece, right? <laughs> and you I, never knew? I never knew. I never knew that Walter Koenig was wearing a toupee. He must have been. Yeah, I've never really thought about it. Yeah, apparently in, I don't know if it's all of the Star Trek movies, but at a certain point in the Star Trek movies, at least he started wearing one. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea. I just assumed that he had that luscious hair <laughs> the whole time. Nope. It's a fake. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so... I guess if you want to ever try to get a hairpiece by me, you totally could. Not that you need one, but I hopefully will never like I'm I'm doing pretty good still. Yeah, I'd say you're you're doing all right. <laughs> yeah, for I mean for 36 here, like I got a little bit of a widow's peak rocking, but it's not that bad. Yeah, no, and that's just widow's peak's hereditary, right? I mean Probably, yeah. That's, that's not related to any sort of Yeah, I, I have no history of male pattern pattern baldness on either branch of my family. Yeah. So I feel I feel pretty good about it. If anyone needed that genetic information about me. <laughs> <laughs> Just getting to One know of my you. Bank security questions, right? <laughs> How many members of your family have male Potter baldness? Now you got it. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so we open on a unknown freighter and black Omega Squadron. I don't think they explicitly tell us that they're Psychops. Right. In this episode. But later we find out Black Omega Squadron is like Bester Star Fury Boys and those are all yeah. Psychops. It's very heavily implied since we get to see that Black Omega on there that whoever's piloting it is probably a telepath as well. Yeah. We get this really weird cut to Claire and Catherine finding out they're both busy today. 
<laughs> and then the freighter arrives at B5. And I think they just needed something in between the freighter vaporizing people and the freighter showing up. Mm-hmm. And it's this has to be like the shortest cold open, I think, probably for the whole series, because it's like a minute before the theme song. It was very short. And I don't know, I almost wanted it to be just the freighter disappearing and then showing up again, because yeah. it almost looks like an explosion when it disappears. Mm-hmm. And then bam suddenly it's at babylon five yeah yeah it's just a really like i i understand why that cut is there with Catherine and sinclair from a like pacing perspective mm-hmm. and from a like content filling perspective it just felt super awkward yeah to me but then we get our theme song and we cut in to talia uh, having a conversation with some random human businessman Uh, who we'll find out a little bit about, but they have a really interesting conversation. And this is a very important conversation to have before we meet more Psychops. Yeah. Because it's about what it's like to be a telepath. Yes. And she tells us that it's like being in a hotel where you can just hear the neighbors. Mm -hmm. Which, I don't know, I lived out of hotels for like five years for work. So I vibe like I understand, like she says it and I know exactly how that feels. And then, you know, quiet things are easy to know, but strong emotions aren't right. And then Garibaldi uh, gets what's coming. Uh, Yeah, I know that Garibaldi is supposed to be our very relatable everyman. Yeah, and he's supposed to be for the early 90s. (laughs) Right. For the early 90s is the key word there. Yeah. Who's a cop? Uh huh. Yeah. (laughs) no problems there and i know that this whole scene is there to make us laugh but there's if you think about it too hard which i (laughs) obviously have uh you know the implication she's she's describing that strong emotions are hard to block out he knows that Mm -hmm. and so basically because we get you know him staring at her ass yes the Oh, yeah. No, that's it's the very obvious clear. visual. He knows that she can hear him. So he's yeah. doing this on purpose. Yeah, it's super skeezy. Yeah. And, you know, she she gives him what's coming, mm-hmm. which does make it a little bit funnier to know that, you know, they were married for a bit after this. So, yeah, maybe during at this point. You think so? Like, I, I, I think it was while season one was filming. Yeah, I definitely didn't research that, so sorry. I, I have not either, and that's that's fine. We don't need to research Yeah, everything. we know they were married at some point. Yeah. <laughs> they were married at some point. It makes it still weird. Yeah, it's still weird, but it is at least a nice fun layer, I suppose. Yeah. And then we get Bester coming in with that smirk. Bester shows up with Chekhov's telepath. You get it? <laughs> it's layers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I needed that. I don't have anything that funny to talk about this episode. Oh, that is damn. a better joke than anything I've got. So I was really proud go. of it. I'm glad you it's liked a good it. joke. No, it's a very good joke. <laughs> it's a very good joke. And we he has his smirk about him and he has this entire conversation that we don't hear. If you're very observant and you haven't seen it before, you might catch the Psychor badge on him and realize what's happening. 
but it's almost just kind of like he has an implied conversation. Mm-hmm. If you're unaware completely that he's just it, throwing his thoughts into this other dude's mind, which is totally what's happening, you might think that they were familiar or something, but it doesn't feel entirely natural, but it also doesn't feel off at any point. Like you don't hear the other half of the conversation, but you don't need to hear the other half of the conversation. Right. And I think that's what makes this scene work so well. Because it's so good. Mm-hmm. And it really, it really gives you a very good baseline for Bester. Yeah, we learn a lot about Bester just by seeing this scene. We, yeah. we know what his deal is. Mm-hmm. And then we move into the conversation between random human guy and Catherine Sakai mm-hmm. and Talia happens to be there because she's participating in this negotiation as the mm-hmm. resident telepath. So we kind of set the scene up for maybe something going on with that love triangle that they were going to allude to that, that doesn't happen, we know, because we know how the show goes. But because the random human guy wants to assure that Catherine is not going to talk to the commander about this. And it seems like that's the whole reason Talia is there. Yeah. Is to make sure that she will keep some secrets from the commander. Mm-hmm. But then yeah, we also... It's, it's oh, important. Yeah. You know, no, go ahead. No, it's just, yeah, Jakar comes in because the it's on the border of Narn space, apparently. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Narn government has to also have some say in the top secret survey that's going to be taking place. Which turns out to be important later on. Quite so. (laughs) And uh, Bester comes into Sinclair's office and one line of psychic conversation and he's done. He's just like, he he answers. And then the second anything else is said, he's like, wait a minute and immediately catches on. Yeah, I loved that. It's so good. And it really like, it's it sets up the difference between our main characters and our mooks mm-hmm. right like the guy from security now looks like a doofus because he didn't realize he was having a psychic conversation mm-hmm. and that can't fly with our main cast right right they're more aware they're a little sharper exactly and we get a little fire out of sinclair like yeah get out of my mind he's mad a lot of times he's very chill about situations and, and kind of things roll off his back or he takes it with a smile, but not this. <laughs> no, he's he's quite upset. Bester, and we find out his partner's name is Kelsey, Explain that, well, yeah, normal telepaths can't just enter people's minds, but we're psychops get fucked. Yeah, you there know? are rules yeah. and there are rules. <laughs> yeah, we do what we please because... Who else is going to stop us, right? And they're here hunting a rogue telepath whose very presence threatens all of EarthGov. Yeah, this is a matter of planetary security. But they won't say much more. No. (laughs) And then we officially kind of meet Jason Ironheart as they're talking about him. We get a scene with him. Uh, he's, He's renting a room and he has a kind of psychic tremor, I think, they call them mind quake later in the episode. Right. Which I, w- I was interested in that because th- if it has a name, then they've, someone's experienced it before. Well, we get some math later. That's actually kind of terrifying. 
if oh, you no. actually do the math. Did you do what? the math? Of course I did the math. <laughs> You've met me over the internet. Of course I did the math. We'll talk about that when we get there. Take a look at this equation. Yay, cool. Um, but yeah, a mind quake as we later find out. And then it cuts the audio, but not the video. Mm-hmm. And that's how they name the character. And you can see, you know, as they say, you know, put up Jason Ironheart, you know, and then they cut over to the office. Uh-huh. So it, it very clearly, this is the name of the character without having to say the name of the character in front of him. And even if you look at the papers Tali is holding, it's a picture of him. Like, it's all very well done visually. It's uh, something that the show excels at, as we've said time and time again, and we will continue to. It's just excellent at putting together exposition without mm-hmm. feeling weighty. Right. After the pilot where we kept ex- yeah. exposing over and over again. Yeah. It is not the opening of David Lynch's Dune, right? (laughs) So up in Sinclair's office, the Psycops are talking to Talia. We get some background on their teacher-student relationship. Oh, man. This is another thing that I don't... This is another thing that I think would be rather creepy if we viewed it through the Today lens. (laughs) It 100% is, yeah. Yeah, well, it's through the previous lens, too. Like, Thrawn, the police don't stand so close to me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it is it is not a new tale. Uh, I, s- I suppose they don't give us an age that she was at the Academy. So with this, with some other stuff we get about Psychor later, I would expect her to have been an adult. Right. I would, I would think that this is more of a college Psychor, not, not Psychor High. Which, which is would, more... Age appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> this is more age appropriate, but there is a power dynamic in the student teacher relationship that yes. is still unacceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Plato would have, well. Anyways, Ivanova gets in a uh, Who Watches the Watchmen, which I'm always here for, important words. And she asks, and it's just silence. Right. There's yeah. like two seconds without any noise when she says it. And it's just like, oh, oh, it's one of those. There's no Cy Ozymandias here to look upon his works in despair. Right. Um, we are at the top of that food chain. Yep. <laughs> and they're like, it's need to know information and you don't need to know. And then they proceed to tell him almost everything. Almost. Right. They do leave out an important detail. Mm-hmm. Well, t- two, if they know about him and Talia's actual past, which I assume they do. Yeah, they definitely had an inkling yeah well as we find out later in other psychor episodes they kind of put people together like that Mm -hmm. in the core so it wouldn't be surprised to find out that was the case and they were very aware but they're like we're not going to tell you anything you don't need to know and then they're like immediately just tells them almost everything which i thought was just that's how it always works (laughs) right (laughs) it's like someone who tells you you don't need to know is waiting for the excuse to tell you exactly so we find out that talia needs to be scanned because they need to prove that she hasn't seen jason ironheart and we get very creepy rape vibes from this it is uh uh the audio here uh and she knows too like you can tell she's all like i do not want this deep scan like mm-hmm. y'all get away and then i mean she has to have done this to people right 
And or part she's of me seen wonders, it done. Yeah. She's seen it done. Part of me wonders if it's happened to her as part of her psych training. Sure. Like how they used to make police get pepper sprayed before they could use pepper spray. My hmm. Back. I don't even know how long ago now. Huh. I remember that being a thing. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's just my brain meets. Yeah. Um, maybe that was even just a local thing and I didn't know. Yeah, uh, that's one of that's my dad's friends worth... was a sheriff. So I'm pretty sure that's who I heard it from at one point. But who that's knows? an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, that's a, that's a different podcast. <laughs> right. Is it because it doesn't feel like it is. I know. <laughs> well, we find out that Sinclair has no stomach for watching someone get mind raped. He yeah. protests. He says, you can't do that to her. And they say, actually, that's part of being psych where we totally can. Yeah. And he's yeah, not happy about fucked. it. Yeah. They offer to they they offer to let Sinclair and Commander Ivanova leave. And I'm glad yeah. they don't because, you know, it's nice that she has witnesses there. I'm surprised Ivanova didn't leave given her history with Sycor. I guess I'm, I would ex- I'm I would have expected her to walk out. I'm I wouldn't have expected that of Ivanova just because yes, she has a history where she hates Sycor, but she hates Psychor the institution and she feels bad for the individuals that's true so she's watching an individual get yeah punished basically and she does have a yeah. burgeoning thing with talia at this point like they're mm-hmm. starting to be a little friendly they're at least collegial yeah yeah for now and uh yeah the sound effect from this just drove me crazy and i imagine mm-hmm. it did you too just a trained ear yeah dissonance and it's just like oh god i hate this and just keeps going and you're just like okay your point's made use dissonance i get it and sinclair shuts it all up eventually he tells them that's enough you've got to Mm -hmm. stop and she walks out the door and and she's like right there yeah she immediately runs into the guy she was just told not to talk to yeah he's just like i was just waiting for you to get scanned so that we could chat you just got five minutes all i need is five minutes and I hold no one in history who has asked for five minutes of someone's time earnestly meant they needed five minutes. <laughs> you are so right. <laughs> Never once in human history. Every time that, someone's needed my five minutes or I've needed someone else's five minutes. It's been more than five minutes. It's been yeah. more than five minutes, yeah. If you need someone's minute, you need their five minutes. Mm-hmm. If you need them for a second, you need them for a minute. If you need someone's five minutes, you're having an hour-long conversation with that person. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> that is um never once. Uh, that reminds me of an old game some friends of mine from college would play. Um, do you think something in human history has happened never, exactly once, or a bunch of times? Because statistically speaking, it's one, it's either never happened in human history, happened a bunch of times, but there's the very rare case where something has happened exactly once, and it just filled the cultural zeitgeist or DNA or something, uh, the hive mind, as it were, the undercurrent subconscious of humanity refused to let it happen again. It's an old game we used to play where you'd come up with ridiculous situations while drinking and you'd, the rest of the group would decide if it was something that had happened a bunch exactly once or never. I'm, I'm going to be Ivanova here and say it's all happened a bunch. Yeah. Well, it's that's never usually not happened answer. and it's never happened once. <laughs> and it's, the, it's 99 times out of 100, it's the correct answer. Yeah. So, but it is a fun game that you can go play at home. Yeah. So, from Jason, we cut to 
Jakar and Catherine arguing mm-hmm. about whether she should go to Sigma 957. Yeah, Jakar is just straight up. Uh, you should not go there. No one here is exactly how he appears. And he straight up threatens Catherine. Just like, if you go, you're not coming back. Yeah, they they really make him out again to be that mysterious jerk. Yeah, which is good. This is part of that whole turnaround. Mm-hmm. After this, Jason goes on to explain to Talia that he volunteered for some Psychor bullshit and they took him and to give him big brain energy. And then we <laughs> get some math on telekinetics. Okay, you're going to have to do this math for me because I didn't even remember this episode had math. Problem three. For this problem, you'll need to set your calculator to maths. So we get a couple of quick figures, one of which is very frightening. So we get one in every 10,000 telepaths is a telekinetic, right? Okay. And half of those are crazy. Right. So that's okay. One in every 10,000 telepaths. How many telepaths can there be, right? Mm-hmm. One in a thousand. That's insane. Hmm. So that's so crazy. The station has a quarter of a million people on it. There's 250 telepaths just running around Babylon 5. But they only have the one registered telepath. They say that in the episode where they introduced right? Talia. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hmm. There's 10 billion people living on Earth during Babylon 5, according to the Babylon 5 wiki. You did research. I did a little <laughs> bit of research. You did research so you could do math. That's very honorable. Right. Which means, by the way, if you do the math, there's uh, one in every 20 million people is a stable telekinetic with 10 billion people. That means there's 500 stable telekinetics on Earth and 500 insane telekinetics on Earth. Oh, boy. eh, Well, I mean, given the population isn't that much more (laughs) than current Earth, because we're seven and a half right now. So something like that. And it's 200 years Mm -hmm. in the future. But there's also Mars. And all of the other colonies. Sure, sure. And it, you start to look at all of that. And it's just like. There are so many fucking telepaths running around. Psychor is huge. Or. There's like a hundred million telepaths. Like, yeah, imagine makes... if everyone in New York. <laughs> and just spread them. Like that it's... makes some of the accusations that he hurls later at Sinclair a little more believable almost, you know? Yeah, that's fair. It doesn't seem as much just like paranoid delusion when you think about the volume of telepaths based on his math. Yeah, one in a Mm -hmm. thousand. That's crazy. That's Mm -hmm. like, I mean, how many people went to your high school? How many telepaths were in your high school? Like, how many telepaths did you go to college with? (laughs) like think about things in your life how many telepaths do you work with you know it's just like it's mind-blowing to me that like there are casually this many telepathic people running around think of how many people like obviously pre-corona you see in a day like on the roads Mm -hmm. grocery shopping walking around getting lunch you see more than a thousand people in a day if you're in any kind of populous area one of them read your mind on accident every day and you don't know who. Oh boy, that sounds terrible. 
Now you know why <laughs> like I don't want to make paranoid Garibaldi sound reasonable because he's not because because <laughs> it's rooted in racism most of the time I feel well xenophobia mm-hmm. but it's mm. it's a lot. You can like, be paranoid and it's also overwhelming. Yeah. It can be two things. <laughs> mm-hmm. And also the fact that there are 500 insane telekinetics on Earth. I'm good. Stable telekinetics, I'm not worried about. But crazy people that can just move things with their mind? No thanks. And obviously, mind quake is a... It's a term. It, it's a It's thing. a term, so it's happened. So yeah. these unstable telekinetics have had problems before. Yeah. So knowing all of this... And also having another interaction with Garibaldi, mm-hmm. I have come to the conclusion that he is the human equivalent of a megaphone, like emotionally speaking, because <laughs> every telepath instantly is just, oh, this thing. And it's so funny to me because he's such a like guarded person. Mm-hmm. And it's just like <laughs> the person he wants to be and the person he is are not the same person right and i think i I mean we know people like this people that think that like oh i i'm a very private person and you know absolutely everything about them yes yeah yes i definitely understand what you're talking about Mm -hmm. yeah he's got no internal poker face he's just blasting it all out there constantly screaming everything that he's thinking Mm -hmm. just as loud as he possibly can and so Catherine goes to Sigma 957 anyways. Yeah, she says, fuck it. And she goes yep. out. And uh, Jakar on the low is just like dispatches military units to the sector. Which also seems very threatening. If you, It is super threatening. He literally, no more than 10 minutes ago, was all like, if you go there, you're going to die. And then he sends military units off there. Yeah, that seems bad. Real bad. Ironheart gets another migraine. And honestly, I think it's a pretty good visualization of what a really bad migraine feels like. I don't know if you've had a really yeah, like debilitating migraine in your life. Yeah. But I kind of I kind of vibed a little bit with yeah. the scene. I'm I'm a pretty regular migraine sufferer myself, and I'm sure a lot of the audience has experienced it too. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's definitely yeah. debilitated by that. And he also lays out for Talia a lot of the implications of a stable telekinetic and Mm -hmm. the covert ops and the assassination possibilities that you have with a stable telekinetic. But as he's trying to relay that to her, that's when he gets a severe mind quake Mm -hmm. and it gives him away completely. Yeah. Um, yeah, security finds the uh, PlayStation 1 underwater effects in the hallway. Oh, I was going to say Windows 95 screensaver. Oh, that works. Yeah, it's a good one, too. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. I like yours better. <laughs> yep. So they, they have to get through this Windows 95 screensaver. Um, <laughs> but we cut away to Catherine arriving at Sigma 957, where mm-hmm. it seems like Everything's normal for now. Yeah, I should get there in like a couple hours. It's good. Let's dispatch some probes. Take it easy. But we cut back to the station where Bester mm-hmm. is getting his ass chewed. <laughs> I love this quote. Oh my God. I don't care if you had a personal message from God complete with stone tablets. 
I died laughing. That's <laughs> such a good line. I need to be able to use that one sometime too. I just need to make a running list of Babylon 5 quotes <laughs> I want to say in my daily life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he gives, uh, Sinclair demands the truth and Bester gives him eh, part of it. You know. Yeah, he gets a little bit more of the truth this time. Yeah. But then we have to cut to Ironheart and he's trying to meditate himself right out of this episode. Mm -hmm. um, and Bester basically describes Ironheart as an asset that has malfunctioned. Yeah. And he's, he's not human anymore. Right. And the the Kelsey lady actually seemed a lot more apologetic in the scene than I had expected, mm -hmm. given her conduct earlier. She actually almost seems truly sorry. <laughs> But this is yeah unleashed such havoc on Babylon Five. It's like she comprehends the idea of this person who is extremely dangerous on a space station where we all can't breathe space if this goes. Yeah, it's going to kill up. a bunch of people. It's going to kill yeah. a quarter of a million people. Right. And you know, two hundred fifty telepaths. Ivanova lays in here too a bit. Uh, you have all the moral fiber of Jack the Ripper. I really appreciate yeah. that foreshadowing. Yeah, that's um, nice, too. What do you do for fun? <laughs> Juggle babies over a fire pit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. I mean, it's oh, terrifying. Uh, the visual <laughs> of it, though, is really just selling home the, like, you are without a soul. Like, you are evil. You foul and loathsome evil little cockroach! This is pure bester through and through. Mm-hmm. And then Talia goes and she pleads with the screensaver to let her through. And she finds Ironheart, and they start to hatch a plan to convince Sinclair to let him get away. Yep. He keeps he keeps referring to he's becoming. Yeah, he isn't. He they she calls him Jason at one point. She's like, I'm not Jason anymore. I'm now everything. <laughs> <laughs> not creepy at all. Totally okay. Everything's yeah. fine here. Move along. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we do move along to Sigma nine five seven, where Catherine launches some probes mocks your car and then immediately gets smacked up the head with something strange yep <laughs> just the thing she was warned about and we cut real quick with talia and sinclair going to see jason i like how um, an empty transit tube is the most secure place on babylon 5 to have this conversation it kind of makes sense yeah, um, one yeah. given that there's 250 telepaths running around the station sure but also it, it's the actual literal center of the station and there's nothing near it you know yeah because it's okay like, i get that it's the outer ring is where all the plants and gardens and stuff are right and it all rotates on the inside and mm -hmm. then there's all the outer layers and so you've got you know god it's got to be i think they tell us at one point the distance it's like 25 or 30 stories and you've got hundreds of feet separating you from anything yeah okay I should so, get behind that. I feel like we've had two important conversations in transit tubes. I think this is the first time that it has been empty. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, think one time no we were doing that. Yeah. Bears just... or anything. Exactly. Yeah. And we get some more of that Babylon 5, but it's sexy. <laughs> uh, when they talk about telepaths making love. Yeah. He asked mirrors her... upon mirrors. And I'm just like... <laughs> He that asked sounds... her a really yeah. personal question, and she gave a really personal answer. Right. Like, wow. That is, it's intense. Like, I've been in a hallway with a mirror on both sides, right? 
And so it's like, oh, I see, you know, you put your arm out, you do the thing. You're like, oh, cool. Like it's a fun house. You know, it's that, but orgasms. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> uh, I think. But that, I know. <laughs> I think, you know, the. We we find out later in the series, but we, we it's alluded to right here, right? That reproduction in the psychor is controlled. Yeah. And not only do telepaths not get to be with someone that they love necessarily, mm-hmm. but this seems to also imply that they just don't even get to have sex. Like, yeah, we don't want you producing a suboptimal telepath with anybody. Mm-hmm. And so just even the act of sex is highly controlled is what yeah. I get out of this. And so they're not allowed to have physical pleasure or romance at all. And so her delivery of this is very wistful and longing. Yeah. Like, it, th- that may have been her only experience is the. That's uh, true. Unspoken yeah. implication you know, that they managed to sneak this around, uh, around a highly controlled authoritative group. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's, it's super sad to think about that. Yeah. It's real heavy. Yeah. It's not something that she lets herself face at all. The reality of this, she, she has buried Jason Ironheart and the feelings and the experience of sex and love with Jason Ironheart very, very deeply. Yeah. And having this all pull it up, you see some shock in this character Mm -hmm. and she will not be the same again. And she isn't. No. For multiple reasons after this episode, she's not the same. Mm -hmm. Um, After this, Catherine encounters some shit from encounters of the third kind. And it just casually almost accidentally sentences her to death. Yeah, it cripples her ship and damages her orbit. And she's got a couple hours to try to fix that orbit, but no power to do it with. Mm -hmm. After this, we cut over to Jason telling Sinclair that Psychor will control everything. It's very paranoid, but also very plausible. Right. I mean, yeah, they've said it in this episode. Telepaths make the best blackmailers. Mm -hmm. He's getting Um, really creepy and unstable. Yeah. You know, he talks about how they want to control every, you know, everything possible, but they hadn't even considered that his level of control because mm-hmm. he's no longer telekinetic. He's now a teleergokinetic. He controls energy, not just matter. I didn't know that had a name. <laughs> I had to Google it and I'm not a hundred percent that it's the correct term because I think it might've been off of a one piece wiki. It is good enough. It. It got the message across. <laughs> he is something else. And uh, he convinces Sinclair that he needs time to finish his evolution to the next level. Mm-hmm. He needs to finish becoming. All right. Well, good luck being everything. Meanwhile, those two Narn scouts show up and just save Catherine's ass. Just, oh, we were sent here to save you. Like, they're very matter of fact about it, too. It was <laughs> all like, not, o- not only did Ambassador Jakar personally send us, but he said you were going to be in trouble and that we had to help you. Yes. So we're going to tell you back to B5 now. Yeah. Stand by for grapple. Right. <laughs> she's just like, son of a... Mm. I love it. happy, but she's sad and it's so good. Yeah. 
Garibaldi and Ivanova got a call that they need to clear a path, make a hole. Mm -hmm. And they tried to hide this from Bester and Chekhov's telepath. But mm -hmm. they get wise. Yeah, they, they get wise real quick. And I, I'm unclear if they get wise because they've scanned this guy and he was actually told not to tell you or if the situation just seems so weird. Oh, I think the situation is weird. I, I think right. you have to know who you're dealing with at that point, And you tell them that it's a drill and that they're doing this. Right. I, I thought that too. I thought these guys must have really thought that it was a drill. And yeah. it was just weird enough that Bester and Kelsey were like, nah, this, this yeah. is not a drill. So they go and encounter him. Kelsey gets disintegrated. Bester shoots Ironheart and then gets knocked out. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. Ironheart gets to his ship, flies out of there, and just stops. Doesn't and even go for the jump. Moments eight. doesn't need it. Yeah. He transcends and becomes a being of pure energy. He goes full Doctor Manhattan on us. Yep. He then beams some shit into her mind. He gives her a gift, and it's just like. I'm going to be out. I'll, I'm out. I'll see you all in a million years. Peace. I'm everywhere and nowhere. I can see everything. I'm turning into pure energy. Why is it taking so long? He specifically says, Commander, I will see you in a see million years. in a million years, right? And that's very interesting. I want to know more about that. <laughs> well, you might later. <laughs> we'll just have to see. Yep. After this, uh, Sinclair and Garibaldi, a strong arm bester into clearing Talia's name. Mm -hmm. They they seem to be getting good at this. We'll keep stuff off the record. We're going to tell some lies. We're going to make a few threats and everything's going to go away. Yep. And then we cut to Talia in her quarters and we see Jason's gift. A really powerful magnet she hid under the table. Fucking magnets. How do they work? Ah, <laughs> oh, JK, she's telekinetic now. She's moving in with her mind. The penny from when she was a little girl. <laughs> right? Look, yeah. it's an old penny, too. It like, is. It's a wheat penny. That is an old penny by our standards, mm -hmm. let alone 200 years in the future. Where, I mean, US currency can't possibly exist with EarthGov, right? Like, right. there has to be a single currency. On top well, surely of that, that single currency will be the United States dollar. Right. <laughs> Pennies are already talking about being phased out of our monetary system because of their worth. They're, they cost more to produce than they add to the economic exchange or than they're just worth in general. So it's just like for this to have made it. I mean, it's cool. It's fun. I was a little happy just as like a nerd about like currency. Yeah. I think we definitely used the wheat penny because it had those big letters on the back that say one yeah. cent and that photographed really well. It did. Yeah. I liked it. I thought it was a nice touch. I did. I did for sure. I thought it was really cool. And, and we almost, we could have ended the episode here. We don't, we don't. We get a little bit more. We get Catherine catching up with Jakar and we get some good guy Jakar. We do. Kind of dismissing even his own actions. Just all like I told you. No one here is what they seem, right? Mm -hmm. We do these things because they seem like a good idea at the time, which yeah. puts the pilot in an interesting light. And it um, puts a couple of things he's done in an interesting light, but uh -huh. 
Yeah. But ultimately, there are things out there that are bigger than us. Yeah, we get and, some stuff about the great old ones. Uh-huh. And it's like, we get some, I mean, the Vorlons are kind of like, oh, they're old, right? But it's not really well established that they are among these like super mysterious races that just have been around for billions of years, right? Yeah, I really love his ant metaphor. It's I, so good. I love the idea that bugs are still in space. And, right. you know, he picks <laughs> the ant up, the earth ant on his finger. Yeah. If Earth ants are in space, then other planets' bugs are probably in space too, right? It's probably a nightmare. Oh, space um, sounds scary. It is scary. <laughs> it's terrifying. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I love the What's metaphor. that line from Star Trek 2009? Space is disease and danger wrapped in darkness and silence. Very accurate, though, yeah. Yeah. That's very McCoy, too. Good job. Mm -hmm. A plus. But yeah, I'm terrified and reassured that there are still wonders in the universe that we have not yet explained everything. I love that. It's such a good line. Yeah. I need to remind myself more that I am terrified and reassured. I need yeah. to remind myself of that more. And then we end on that shot of the ant crawling mm -hmm. on the alien flowers scene. Episode. Good episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I really like this one. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, I feel like I'm going to say that a lot. We've hit we've hit a, a handful of really good ones. We have. I um, have a feeling that stinkers are probably on the Working horizon. around the corner. Yeah, there's a couple. Season one is definitely home of the most stinkers in the show. Mm -hmm. Barring season five. Yeah. Next up, we have episode eight, The War the Prayer. The War Prayer. When a group of racial fanatics infiltrates Babylon 5 and attacks innocent aliens, Sinclair, Garibaldi, and Ivanova try to capture the racists. Yeah. I'm here for it. Capture them racists. Do the thing. <laughs> Sounds like a pretty straightforward episode to me. Mm -hmm. I, I'm sure I'll remember this one when I watch it, but I don't remember this one offhand. Yeah, so. the plot sounds totally familiar to me, but I don't yeah. remember the specifics. It sounds like it could be one of like 20 episodes to be, <laughs> sure. to be perfectly honest. <laughs> there is a strong thread of let's deal with the racists in this show. Yeah. It's one of the things I like about it. Mm -hmm. So that's what's coming up next week. Mm -hmm. And thank you to Jeremy Siegel for our theme music. He is at jeremysegel42.bandcamp.com if you want to see more. And we'll be back with that episode next week. All right. Bye. Bye, Internet. <laughs> Bye, Internet. <laughs>